Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. And speaking of sexy bodies, everybody, oh, you're going to have a lot to think about and maybe a lot to talk about with our podcast tonight. We're going to talk about the weight of hate with Len Maureen Hurdle, and I want to tell you a really shocking statistic. This is one that shocked me, and it's hard to believe, but according to DoSomething.org, apparently about 91% of women, 91% of women are unhappy with their bodies, and they resort to dieting to achieve what they believe is an ideal body shape. Unfortunately, only 5% of women naturally possess the body type that they think they should have and what's portrayed by American media. 5% have that body type. That means the other 95% are struggling and 91% downright unhappy. So what is going on? Why this big disconnect? Why this self-hatred, if you will, of the very thing that carries us around? So we're going to explore that tonight, and we're going to get into how you feel about your body impacts, how you feel about you, your success, your love life, yes, your love life, your sex life, all of that and more. Our guest is one of America's top conflict resolution experts. Her work in transformational conflict resolution focuses on social and emotional learning, and she gives her clients life-changing skills. And tonight, she's got some for us about dealing with this self-hatred and this body-shaming that's going on. We have Lynn Maureen Hurdle, who spent the last 25 years delivering her trainings around the world to clients from Harlem to Hong Kong, from South Bronx to South Africa, and she told her own very personal story about struggle with weight and body image at a landmark TEDx talk called The Weight of Hate. And that's the subject of our discussion tonight. It's very common for people to have poor body image and low self-esteem. And I want to tell you now, make a note, Len's website is www.lenmaureenhurdle.com. And hurdle is spelled H-U-R-D-L-E, like you're going to hurdle over those hurdles on the track. All right, welcome. Welcome, Len Maureen Hurdle. So great to have you with us. Thank you, Dr. Brenda. I am thrilled to be here. Good. Now, you grew up as a little black girl in an all-white neighborhood. What does that have to do with the weight of hate? 
it has everything I think to do with it because I didn't see anyone who looked like me and for people who think that that really shouldn't matter it actually does it matters because you need to have role models you need to know that there's somebody that you can look at that you want to aspire to and so the body types were very different to begin with and I really felt out of place now, when you say the body types were different to begin with, what does that mean? Well, my particular body type, I'm I'm big hips. I'm I have very large thighs, which I love, <laughs> by the way. Now, and Good for you, uh, <laughs> and the round rounded in the back, and and I'm short, but all of that was very different from my friends growing up who were all white at the time and they were just much slimmer and and just very different looking to me and I just thought I'm never going to be that. Dr. Brenda, I don't think I can hear you. Yeah, how did you feel about yourself? How did you begin to think about yourself? Growing up in an atmosphere where you felt like you were the odd duck. There was a lot going on, actually, because not only uh, did I feel out of place and ugly, to be honest, and certainly very fat, but at home, my parents were concerned about my weight, and unfortunately, there was a lot of talk about my weight and between my parents and other family members. I always felt that I was unattractive, and really miserably fat. And the funny part is, when I did my TEDx talk, I actually had to show a slideshow, or I chose to show a slideshow. And when I looked at the pictures, I thought, how is it fat? My goodness, wow, I really had been taught to look at my body in a way that said it was not enough. So when you looked at your body as a little girl, you could actually see you weren't fat. You were a little rounder maybe than the other kids, and that was the most, right? Yes. So what was that about? Go ahead. Go ahead. It was it was very interesting because at the time, as I was growing up, I never thought that. I always thought that I was fat and unattractive. But looking back, when I, when I put together this slideshow, I thought, honey, you were wrong. There was nothing fat about you at the time that you were coming up. You were just rounder. You were bigger. But what really did it, though, was, I was a dancer. From the time I was three, I started dancing. And I actually was able to get into dance school earlier than most kids because everyone at my dance school started at five. But my mother convinced the dance teacher to let me in at three. And by the time I was seven, I was helping to teach the smaller children to dance because I was really that good a dancer. Now, if you know, certainly in the dance world, we look at Misty Copeland and we look at all these dancers who talk about body type in the dance world, I was absolutely considered fat. And that was really my shaming experience in dance school. I talk about it in my TEDx talk where 
I was teaching the younger children, and I was set in this ballet move, and I thought, I'm grateful, I'm beautiful. And the dance teacher said, she screamed, actually, you are so fat. Oh, And that just changed, no, changed that's everything. that's terrible. To mm-hmm. a little girl. To a little girl. I was eight years old, and it changed everything for me. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. And I know, I know, I know that ballet teachers can be cruel. It is a long tradition. I have a child myself (laughs) who grew up in ballet and was kicked out of her ballet school because they said she was too tall and she was shattered. Wow. Absolutely shattered. So it's a big thing. What adults say to children, everybody make a note, what adults say to children and stay with you for a lifetime, can't it? Yes, it can. And, you know, I know that my parents never meant to hurt me, but they really did say things that did hurt. And so it is an important thing. What are some of the things that they said to you? Well, that was certainly one of them. One of the things that they would do is there were a couple of other girls who were considered overweight. And each year when I would return to school, my mom would say, well, is so-and-so still fat? Because you're still fat. And oh, is no. the other person still fat? Yeah. And so, and I was so embarrassed. I remember lying and saying, yes, they are. And they had actually lost weight. And when she ran into one of them on the street, she came home to shame me terribly to say I had lied and that I was now the only fat one in the class. And Aww. there was a lot of monitoring what I was eating, at the same time overfeeding me as well. It, it was just strange. And I know that that happens in a lot of households because food is often given as love for kids. Right. And and so the very people who will call you fat will also make your favorite dish, which is probably considered fattening or probably something that you would overeat because you were upset about the kinds of things that people were saying about you. So when you were at school, you had this horrible ballet teacher screaming at you. You had your parents calling you fat, comparing you to other kids, telling you're the only one. What were the children at school saying to you? The children at school didn't have much to do with me. I have to honestly say, there was, even back then, there was a whole image, a a look. It was a double-edged sword, though, because being the only black child, that had its place as well. Race definitely played a part. But being someone that was considered fat, I I never had any boys that looked at me. I never had people who wanted, even girls who wanted to be my best friend. I shouldn't say never, but there were a couple who did, but a lot who did not because people would whisper that I was fat or that um, I couldn't do certain things. Oh, my God, you're breaking my heart. Yeah, what happened? You're the fattest little girl. I really was sad in a lot of ways, and it really did have to do with the weight. But I have to tell you, in spite of that, I still, I participated in everything because there was nothing that really was going to somehow 
tie me down. I was not going to be dragged down to the bottom, but I was in a lot of pain when I was growing up. Yeah, so you found a way to drag yourself forward even mm-hmm. though you were in pain, and a lot of people have that coping strategy. I personally know nothing about it. Uh, I call it looking good while feeling bad. <laughs> wow. And right. I certainly specialized in it, and it sounds like you did too. I did, and I didn't. I don't even. I don't even know that I named it a coping mechanism. I just know if I wanted to dance, I danced at home, but I also danced at parties, and I knew people were looking at me. But because I was such a good dancer, they could only make fun of me for so long because I could do all the the good dances, and I swam, but I was embarrassed all the time about bathing suits, and I was certainly made fun of in bathing suits. I remember. My mom used to do home movies of our vacations, and I can remember her showing the movie to family and people just hilariously laughing at how fat I was. In oh, my suit. wow. So in this scenario, one of the things that really strikes me is how the what we call fat shaming mm-hmm. and criticizing people for being other than this only 5% ideal, when you think about that, only 5% of women have this so-called ideal that's held up for models and and movie stars and whoever else it may be. So the other 95% are walking around feeling pretty bad about themselves. So how did you start to internalize these messages from the other kids, from mom, from your family laughing, from the ballet teacher. How did you start to internalize it? How did you start to feel about yourself? It's Here's the really difficult part. I really want people to hear this. What I did, and I know that other people do this as well, is I started to feel so bad and so ugly that the thing that I did to cope was to eat. And so as you eat and you eat and you eat, the very thing that people are using to shame you actually gets bigger because you get bigger. And so it was a really vicious cycle because food made me feel better even though the thing that made me become bigger and certainly made me continue to be a target for people. I would have strangers that would walk up to me and tell me, oh, you should be ashamed of yourself for eating like that. People have no shame about shaming people around their weight. Yeah, especially the girls, lack especially of, women. Right, a lack of empathy, a lack of compassion, is so much a part of this belief that how you look is more important than how you feel. Yeah, and if there's anything I want people to take away from our show tonight, it's to honor your feelings and honor everyone else's feelings. There's an old saying in the traditions of the Native American people, walk a mile in the other person's moccasins if you really want to know what it's like to be them. So try on the other person's feelings and what it would be like to have somebody walk up and say something so mean and heartless to you about anything about anything. So 
once you started on this cycle of feeling people were shaming you, people felt it was okay to come up and just say mean things to you, and you went on a cycle of eating as a way to feel better. Now, this business of eating, everybody, I want you to know there's a reason that food can become and is one of the biggest addictions in America. I think it was Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis who said this is the only country on earth where being thin is a national obsession and eating is a national pastime. So we have a really crazy culture here. You're supposed to yeah. be thin, but you're all supposed to, because every ad you see on buses and magazines, on the Internet, we see a lot of food ads being pushed. So for you, Len, what was the darkest moment for you as you found yourself caught in the cycle of eating to try to comfort yourself, to get those, you know, once you get sugar or you get lipids or fats into your brain, temporarily the anxiety you feel is shut down. You get kind of high off the food. (laughs) Yes, you do. And there were a lot of tough moments, but the, the hardest moment for me was when I felt so badly about myself, the way that I looked. It was really, uh, I'm not sure how long ago, but I was an adult, certainly, that I just stopped doing a lot of the things that I loved to do because I just did not want to run into someone or who would say, wow, you know, you're still fat or you, you, or you've gained a lot of weight, depending on when they saw me, because I went up and down and up and down and up and down, and I stopped da- doing things like dancing the way that I wanted to dance or, or to go to swim and the pool. And, and that led to not even doing things that had nothing to do with weight. Like I wrote a lot. I used to write a lot when I was younger, and I stopped doing that because I just stopped believing that it was ever going to get better, that I, that any of my dreams were really going to come true. And it really had to do with because I just wasn't good enough because of the weight. Wow. So one of the things for you is in this darkest time where you're shutting down and you fell into something a lot of people fall into, and those of you who want to join the conversation, you can hit us back on Twitter or on Facebook at Dr. Brenda Wade or call us old school, 347-989-0776 and talk to us about your experience of your body, or maybe you've been the person on the other side who, without meaning to, was insensitive and got into some fat shaming. All right, let's talk about it. This is a really important issue. It affects 95% of the women in America, at least. 95%. That's a lot of people. So, Len, what started to turn this around for you? I I have to say prayer 
And prayer led me to writing again. And I started to actually write about a group of women who had the same issue around weight who came together at a convention for plus-size women to really address the reasons why they did not love themselves and to look at all of the reasons why they should and why they could love themselves. And I actually had been to something like that. I never knew something existed like that, and I had been to it and found it to be incredibly uplifting. And so I started writing this play and started to really, through the characters, explore the kinds of feelings that kept me from living the kind of life that I wanted to live. And as a result of that, at the right after I finished writing it, I was actually asked if I would do a, a TED Talk, but they wanted me to do the TED Talk on the conflict resolution work that I've been doing. And I said, you know, this is where I am at this point right now. I really want to talk about this subject. And so they said, well, this is a great and important subject. Go for it. And I'll tell you, from that TED Talk time on, I was set free. Oh, so it really set you free to write the play and explore what the different characters were feeling. So this, again, is the therapeutic power of facing the issue head on, yes. facing the feelings, facing and exploring how all of this played out in your life. Because once, you know, I always say we can't heal it if we can't see it and we can't mm-hmm. feel it. Mm-hmm. You have to see it, feel it in order to heal it. So everyone take a page from Len Maureen Hurdle. And, Lynn, we have a question here. Let's take this question just a sec. Let me just pull it up here. It says, did you find that just accepting yourself was a solution? That's from Tammy in San Francisco. Just accepting myself. Uh, Tammy, I'm going to say this. I know that that's not exactly what you mean because just accepting yourself to me sounds like I'm still not enough. I found, Tammy, that loving myself, loving all the things about me that make me me, and I think that's what you mean by that, but I want you to say it differently. I want you to take out the just, and I don't even want to accept I want to love myself, and and that's my answer is that I found all the things there are in me and about me to love, and there are so many. Yay, good for you. I love that, Lynn. Okay, we have another question here. Thanks, you guys, for sending your questions. We're picking these up. Yes. Okay, the next question is actually from Steve. Okay, Please. hold on. Let me just read what Steve has to say. Steve, oh, okay. Steve says, my girlfriend is st- struggling with weight. What can I do to support her? Thank you, Steve. Thank you so much for asking the question. First of all, I hope she knows that you wrote in the question, Uh, and I, I hope you'll tell her what you can do to support her is 
to really find the things that make her special and bring those out in her. It's tough. It's really hard to believe sometimes that someone else can love us in spite of the fact that other people have made us feel unlovable. But, Steve, find the things that you adore and continue to let her know. Those, this is what I really love about you. This is what you do so well that I don't think other people can do. She's got to know that each of us have gifts and strengths that other people don't have, and those are the very things that make you love her. You know, that is tough, and I want to just go on record here, Lynn. We live in a culture that is so driven by how things look. Mm-hmm. It's all about the look of your clothes, your car, your house, your teeth, your makeup, your hair. We're driven by this because we have been marketed to to the point that we believe the outside is more important than the inside. We actually have our brains programmed that way. So to be able to take a real human being and love that human being for who they are. You know, there was a movie um, with, it was called Shallow Hell. Yes. Altro was in this movie. And I remember thinking everybody needs to see the movie because instead of him being repulsed by little children who had disfiguring illnesses, he saw them as beautiful children and beautiful people. Instead of his plus-size partner uh, being somebody that he needed to be ashamed of, he saw her as beautiful and saw her personality, saw her sweetness, her gentleness, her compassion. And at the end of the film, he was able, when his spell wore off, (laughs) able to say, you know what, I'd rather be happy with somebody with a beautiful inside than somebody with a so-called beautiful outside that meets the unattainable standard for 95% of women. I cannot emphasize that enough. If you look like a real woman, you're not going to look like those minus zero models that have been airbrushed to death. So, Lynn, you get the last word. What is it you'd like to leave us with when you talk about the weight of hate. First of all, I hope you I hope anybody who really feels this way about themselves would go watch my TEDx talk because I I really am very vulnerable there about what I was feeling and how that affected me. But the other thing that I want to say is that you have got to find within yourself something, even if it's just one thing that you absolutely love. And then as far as the outside goes, find something that you can put on that makes you feel beautiful, wonderful, handsome, because it's men too that go through this. Oh, yeah, Whatever absolutely. it is, find that one thing, dress it up, and just walk through the world with your head held high. And if you don't believe it at first, Keep doing it until you do, and please surround yourself with people who see the beauty in you all the time. That is great advice, and I want to add something to it. Uh, One of the things you mentioned, Len, that's very dangerous, and I want people to be aware of this, is the dieting. 
Yes. It is so easy to buy into the marketing of any diet. And I want to just go on record and say, if you have a concern about weight related to your health or well-being, the only things that have been proven to work and not put you on that terrible yo-yo where you end up getting ill, where you end up feeling ill, where you end up possibly reversing the health that you're looking for, is to do something where you get support. As Len said, something like Weight Watchers or Overeaters Anonymous, because if there are health risks and flags for you, then address your health, but don't do it because you want to look good on the outside without feeling good on the inside. Very important. So from the inside out, Len Maureen Hurdle, thank you so much for talking about the weight of hate. And the hate we're talking about isn't just the hate you generated for yourself, but how it was stoked by the people around you who, without empathy or compassion, piled on a little girl. The hate in a culture that's driven by lookism, because that's another one of the (laughs) isms, everybody, where we forget to treasure the beautiful soul within each of us. And I had a teacher, a spiritual teacher, who used to say, your body is the temple of your soul. Love the temple, adorn the temple, care for the temple lovingly. And if you decide that for your own well-being, not because you need to, quote, look good, that some kind of program is necessary if your doctor recommends it make sure it includes loving support because that's the biggest healer of all all right len maureen hurdle thank you let me give you that website again everybody it's triple w len l y n n e maureen m-a-u-r-e-e-n hurdle h-u-r-d-l-e len maureen hurdle Maureen, excuse me, LynnMaureenHurdle.com. And Lynn Maureen Hurdle is an internationally known transformational conflict resolution expert. And you can check her out for that too. It might be your inner conflicts. I want to thank our producer, LeGrand Green, our associate producer, Cliff Dunning. Thank all of you, our modern love listeners. And coming up, Next week, we have David Essel, who's going to talk about the myth of positive thinking. Ooh, something to think about there. All right. Blessings, everyone. Till next time. 